As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so Matt, you know who I saw today? Who's that? Everyone I looked at. All of them. <laughs> you, you don't like my vision joke? Uh, that's a shame. That's how I roll. Ah, double. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I am fantastic. It is good to be back. Oh, yeah. Um, You guys won't have realized this, but Matt and I have been not in the graveyard for the past like two and a half weeks because we actually went on vacations and stuff like that. A little while back, we posted a vacation catch-up episode on Patreon that you can go check out um, if you would like. Um, You can go to patreon.com slash graveyard tales. And you can find that and a bunch of other shows that we put out in there. Matt, they're not like normal graveyard tales shows. No, they're they're different topics. Uh, they're a lot looser, more casual. So, and they're fun. So, yeah. you we, should check them out if you haven't already. Absolutely, we try to do the do the fun stuff on there. Um, keep it interesting, and it's not always ghost haunted places or cryptids it's in fact a lot of times it's not it it's yeah. the the other things that fascinate us that we try to put on our patreon yeah so go check that out patreon.com slash graveyard tales if you're not already a patron um also we want to thank the podbelly network uh, go to podbelly.com you can find different shows to listen to and and all of them are great people and it's a great company to be with um so go check them out podbelly.com we also want to thank tonight's sponsors best fiends and hello fresh and we'll talk a little bit more about them later but right now we just want to say guys if, if if you can go check out our sponsors if you use our code or the url that we provide it really does help us out um it not only helps the company out but it, it helps graveyard tales out and it, and it means the sponsors will keep coming back if you guys do that that's right so you know check them out you know even if you don't even if you decide ah this product's not right for me or whatever um just go go and check them out it you know the traffic shows that you know they're our sponsors are are getting uh getting some value uh for sponsoring the show right right all right matt so you know, we're, we're, things are starting to get back to normal finally, and, and people are getting out there and doing things this summer. But that also means like we're going to be standing in lines a lot more. Mm-hmm. There's more people out there to be standing. We're going to be waiting a lot more than we were before because people are out there doing things. And I've noticed that what I've started doing when I'm standing in line somewhere waiting, like going to the grocery store and it's packed or you're going you're waiting in line to go to the movies or something like that i've been pulling out best fiends 
and playing Best Fiends because I don't have to have an internet connection. My data doesn't even have to be that great. And it's a good way to distract myself from the hordes of people that I'm standing around and kind of fall into this world of killing slugs and, and matching different items you know and, and it, it it's great it, it really helps with my anxiety when i'm out places because it gets me into that little best fiends world yeah i mean it it's literally like a little refresher i mean you know you you work during the day and you need to take a little break um just kind of clear your mind this is a a great way to do it you know playing mm-hmm. playing best fiends you know the the bright colors and the funny characters uh, they they really do kind of give you that. Ah, okay, you know I'm I, I feel a little bit better. I'm a little refreshed, and I can I can move on with my day. And and I'll yep. tell you, you know, um, Amanda and I play. Um, she is quite a bit better than I am. Um, <laughs> but you know, one thing, you know, we you know we're, we're out we're out camping. We we have no internet service, but every once in a while, you know, you're just sitting back and. Hey, you know you you can still whip out your phone and play Best Fiends, uh, right? Because Adam said it doesn't rely on an internet connection. You know you can just sit down and play anytime, anywhere, and uh, and it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a it's easy to pick up and just start playing immediately. So you can go and download the five star rated puzzle game Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. That's right. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Remember, that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So, Matt... That's all I got for housekeeping. Uh, Keep it short and sweet this time for the haters out there that don't like our long intros. Um, But uh, why don't you tell us, Matt, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Tonight, we are going to travel to Salzburg, Austria, and we are going to discuss um, one of the most haunted castles there. Mm -hmm. It's called Musim Castle. But it also has a much more sinister name. It's also known as the Witch's Castle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how in the world could a place that's called the Witch's Castle not be haunted? No joke, right? (laughs) That's got to have some some wild things happening there. Yeah. And uh, and it it's got it's got some definite activity there but for this place much like when we talked about lep castle Mm -hmm. um a few years ago um sometimes the history of a place is so horrific right right that you just sometimes the the history itself is scarier than the paranormal activity and i think that that may be true for Musim Castle, uh, it, 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 it I, I think it's probably a fifty-fifty split at Lep Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, both both are pretty bad. Um, but the history of Musim Castle, I, I was really surprised that I had not come across this more frequently than I had. Right, I'm with um, you. With the things that we look into in research, we will find other things, uh, especially when we when we come across some topic that we're looking at and it's it's on a list, you know. Yeah. This is this is the you know the most haunted farm. This is the most haunted battlefields. This is the most haunted you know hotels. Whatever. Most you know, haunted so- saddle. Yeah. There have been, we have researched when I see these lists of the most haunted castles. Now I'm looking and I'm like, out of 10, we've talked about at least half of them. Yep. Yep. How have I not noticed this one before? Especially when you consider the history that it has. Um, yeah. That's the crazy part with the history that it has. You'd think we'd, we would have heard somebody talking about it or something before now. Right. 
but it it did come up and i'm i'm glad it did and we decided we were going to investigate uh you know what's going on at this place and we're going to share it with you tonight but um first we're going to give you this crazy history oh yeah yeah and as we always say go check our sources um you can find those at the bottom of our show notes and that way you can you know continue the research into it if you're interested and you know a lot of people do a lot of research on these places uh people that are able to go there when matt and i aren't able to go there so it's good to you know get what they had to say and then them get credit for it so go check out our sources if you're interested now this says that it's believed that musum castle was built on the foundations of a roman castrum but there are no traces of the earlier structure remaining for anyone to see, really. So they built it into the Roman castrum. Well, you're probably thinking, what is a Roman castrum? So I know I was. Yeah, right. So I'll, I'll tell you, a Roman castrum um, says in the Roman Republic and the Roman Empire, the Latin word castrum referred to a building or a plot of land used as a fortified military base. Now, the World History site says, although given basic defensive features, forts were never designed to withstand a sustained enemy attack, but rather to provide a protected place for accommodations and storage facilities for food, weapons, horses, and administrative records. Over the centuries, Roman forts took on a remarkably standardized layout, and the impressive gates and ruins of some of the larger ones can still be seen across Europe today. So... As they were moving through their empire, they would build one of these castrums mm-hmm. in in a place and house their soldiers, and they would stage there and then go out and fight and try to conquer as they were taking over other people's lands. That's just kind of how, you know, as they moved, so would a castrum, and that's how they're in so many different places, mm-hmm. and that that's, you know... One was put here where Musum is, and apparently they thought, okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna build up on this because it's it's already here. Now this says that the date on the original deed to the castle is 1191, so it's believed that is when the construction on the castle was started. However, I've seen once or twice where people have said the castle is older than this. And that we just don't have records for that history. And so they label this as the, quote, dark ages of Musum. But for our purposes, we're going to go with 1911, since this is the most common date that I've seen. And we can't find any dates prior to that. It's just hearsay that, oh, it was there and and no records were kept. And it just popped up in 1191. He said 1911. He meant 1191. Yes, I did. 1191. Easy, easy mistake. There's a bunch of ones and a nine in there. Oh, dude, yeah. So <laughs> 1191. Sorry about that. Um, you know, we're still getting comments, Matt, from an episode that we did where one of us, I don't even remember who it was, you or me, um, we misspoke and we said somebody lived from, uh, ruled in this castle from 17... Uh, 90 to 1997 instead of 1797. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And this was like a year and a half ago. And I still see comments pop up on YouTube. Man, he sure ruled for a long time. Okay, guys. I, you know, I, I get it. We, we misspoke. <laughs> we didn't correct it. So I get it. But that was a year and a half ago, you know. Yeah. So I'm glad you caught me on that one because wouldn't want to have that another year and a half of something else. <laughs> so, yeah, for our purposes, we're going with 1191 because that's the most common date. Now, after 1191, there's a gap in the historical records again um, for about 100 years. Now, the next mention is in 1285 when it was seized by the Prince Prince Archbishops of Salzburg. In the 14th century uh, forward, the castle was the residence of the Episcopal Episcopal Burgrave. 
Now, what is a Burgrave? This uh, I got to just like the castrum, we got to kind of look at what this is. Well, a Burgrave, the definition of that is the governor or hereditary ruler of a German town or castle. So basically just a, a, another name for the ruler of this castle in that area, uh, that town that it's in Salzburg. Now, in the late 15th century, the control of the castle was taken over by Prince Archbishop Leonard von Ketchcock. Um, when he took over, he... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm in sixth grade. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I don't even know if I said it right, but that's what I'm going with. And, you know, Ketchcock is what came out. I'll just say... <laughs> Leonard uh, from now on. <laughs> when he took over, he began huge rebuilding and extension projects. A lot of the castle that you see today actually came from this building project. So it, it stood from the 15th century till now. And that, that's kind of the facade that we see today when we look at Moosum Castle. Yeah. And it's so cool looking. Oh, yeah. And, you know, German castles are kind of, they're, they're cool anyway, um, with the, the hills and everything behind mm -hmm. them and the way it, they almost look like, how in the hell did you get to it? Right. Right. You know, cause they're, they look like they're kind of stuck out in the middle of nowhere on the side of this mountain. Um, did you have hovercraft to fly into your castle? Yeah. You know, these, these, these drone photographs of these places now, they're so cool and and musum is it's really cool looking i mean it, it's just you know when you when you compare it to other castles in the area i mean it it's got one of the coolest looks right it does and we'll post some pictures of those um probably some on facebook and then some in patreon as well um I don't know if y'all heard dallas he wanted to be heard today he barked so <laughs> dallas says hi um, now, in 1520, Musum became an administrative seat of the Lungau region. And during this time, 1524 to 1525, the castle was besieged due to the German Peasants' War. So we got to we got to look at the German Peasants' War a little bit because it's kind of crazy um, what happened to this. Now, just picture this is all happening in and around Musum Castle. So the grounds of Musum Castle is what's seeing most of this. Now, the German Peasants' War, it was inspired by changes brought by the Reformation. Uh, peasants in Western and Southern Germany invoked divine law to demand agrarian rights and freedom from oppression by nobles and landlords. So they're they're fighting for their their freedom here from the from the nobles. As the uprising spread, some peasant groups organized armies. During this German Peasants' War, the short time it was going on, 100,000 peasants lost their lives. Good Lord. So you got this happening right on the lands of Musum. And as we've talked before, this kind of bloodshed creates a stain that sticks around for a long time in an area. Mm-hmm. It sure does. And, you know, that the the whole serfdom system, um, you know, it it it, it didn't um what's the word I'm looking for? It it, it didn't really um lend itself to um pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. It right. pretty much said, this is what you are mm -hmm. because of how you were born. And this is what you're destined to do for your entire life. Right. And you know, you're going to, you're going to constantly live in the shadows of these wealthier landowners and uh, you're never going to make it. Right. And the, the peasants got tired of that. Yeah. And so they, they revolted fighting for, like it said, uh, you know, they invoke divine law to demand agrarian rights and freedoms. So 
you also have to think that the reason so many peasants lost their lives is if you think back to what you know about those times, the peasants weren't the ones with the strong swords and shields and spears. They were using homemade weapons or, or sickles and scythes and stuff against armies. The, yeah. These armies led by the nobles who had armor and shields and spears and swords. And these people are still fighting those armies. But that's why there were so many casualties around that area. Yeah. And I mean, so you're not going to you're not going to defeat a guy on a horse with armor and a sword with a broomstick. That exactly. You've, that you've sharpened. It, yeah. This is not going to work. No, it's not like the movies where, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme can come in there with a rubber band and kill 100 people. You know, there's going to be quite a bit of loss of life on the peasant side. And it it was. And, you know, the clashes were there around Musum. So, you know, the blood stained that area quite a bit. Mm hmm. Now, there were numerous wars and conflicts in and around this castle during this time uh, due to, you know, passing crusaders, multiple Austrian-Hungarian wars, the Flemish revolt, and even the Italian wars. They all happened around this area. So you've got a ton of violence, a ton of of bloodshed and, and energy being pumped into this castle. Stone tape theory, if you believe that, you know, the the walls of this castle are just recording all of this and holding it in. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, just right there, we could stop right there. And I would say, yeah, you know, this place probably has some spirits tripping around this place. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you add all these together... Uh, and then add the witch trials, you can start to understand the amount of death, violence, and bloodshed that Musum has seen. Witch trials, huh? Yes, you heard mm-hmm. me right. That's right. Witch trials. And that's why Matt called it the witch's castle in the beginning. Now, the witch trials, which happened in Austria between 1675 and 1690, were directed from Musum Castle. This was the home base of where it happened. Now, this says that one of the largest, bloodiest, and most famous witch trials in Austria was this witch's trial. And unlike the witch trials in Salem, a majority of the victims of these trials were males. Yeah. Where I thought in, that was very interesting. Yeah, it is. Because in, in most other places, uh, you know, most notably Salem, which we've talked about, it was females that were burned and accused of being witches and, and everything. And not the case in Austria. They This was most... Now, you know, some women did lose their lives during the witch trials, but it was mostly males. Now, this says in 1675, Barbara Colleran was put on trial for theft and sorcery in Salzburg um, together with a Paul... Kalfenpacher. Um I yeah, I think not, I did okay with that. I'm, I'm looking at it now, and I don't think I could have done any better. <laughs> so, Paul. Um, now, during torture, she confessed that her son, Paul Jacob Kohler, had a pact with Satan. Her partner, Kaltenbacher, confirmed this and described Jacob as a man of 20, the son of an executioner's assistant, and Barbara was to have taught him the, quote, profession of begging, theft, and fraud. Now, Barbara Coleran was executed in August 1675. The authorities issued a warrant for the arrest of her son. He became known as Wizard Jackal or Magician Jackal. So if you look, if you look this up... Um, that's who they're talking about when they mention Wizard Jackal 
or magician jackal was Paul Jacob Kohler, mm-hmm. um, this lady's son. Now, in 1677, the government had arrested a beggar boy, Dionysus Feldner. Um, he was a handicapped 12-year-old who was called Dirty Animal. What a great nickname for somebody. Yeah, that's right. Just call him Dirty Animal. That's fantastic. And that's also sarcasm, if y'all didn't get that. Um, and uh, he was to have had contact with Jackal three weeks earlier. Now, the boy confessed that Jackal was the leader of gangs of poor beggar children and teenagers from the slum who he taught black magic. Now, this led to mass arrests of homeless children and teenagers. The hysteria spread to the entire archbishopric. That's a hard word. But Mm -hmm. all of the archbishops kind of kind of gained this hysteria and were doing the same thing. So this it's already different than the Salem witch trials in. Instead of women in the. Settlement, they're going after homeless children and teenagers because apparently this jackal guy was teaching all of them black magic. Now, during the interrogations of the captive beggar teenagers, the confessions of the prisoners led to more and more myths about Jackal. He was claimed to be able to make himself invisible and enchant mice and rats, which ruined the harvest of farmers. So that and we've heard that before in witch trials, that they they are the reason that crops die and, you know, somebody gets sick from eating something. It's the witches and the wizards of the area. Now, he was portrayed as a murderer, and the rumors eventually made him so cruel that the officials preferred to avoid capturing him. He was the most famous wizard in the city's history, but he was never captured himself because they just kind of stopped looking because the the myths grew so much that they didn't want to try to capture him because they were afraid he'd hex them or kill them or something. That's right. That's right. They were they were scared of him. It was right. uh he was a Kaiser Soze kind of guy, you know, yeah. you don't mess with him. And the more kids that they would arrest, the like Adam said, the legends got more and more and more outlandish. Um, so, yeah, they, they just they just quit looking because they thought if we catch him, he's going to kill us all. Right. So that's what helped him get away. Good for him. You know, that that worked out in his favor. Um, where for a lot of these others, it didn't. But the witch trial, um, it goes on to say the witch trial, on the other hand, developed into a great hunt of beggars, homeless and poor children and teenagers, especially gangs um, were targeted. Many were accused of having caused some of the bad weather from the previous years. Now, 139 people were executed as the followers of Jackal in this trial. 39 of them, Matt, were children between the ages of 10 and 14. Unbelievable. Can you imagine that? I I just can't imagine that. 53 were teenagers and young adults between the ages of 15 and 21. 21 of unknown age. 113 were of male gender. Everyone except two were beggars. The youngest was Hanurl, 10 years old. And the oldest would Margaret Reinberg, 80 years old. 109 were executed during just 1681. So the other 30 were in you know, subsequent years, but a lot in that one year. They were tortured and burned, some of them alive. Others, after having been hanged or decapitated. Some of them, after having their hands cut off, and marked with burning iron. Mm. That's just, that's just insane, right? I mean, so the Matt and I were talking before the mics came on, and being that Musum was not only the hub of this, but these executions and tortures and things were carried out on the grounds and in under the the castle and the torture chambers 
and and we were talking about some of the stuff that uh we had seen in like some interview videos and stuff yeah and this was under the direction of the archbishops that ran the mm-hmm. area that that lived in the castle right right so there there was some crazy tortures that happened and Matt will get into some of that um here in a little bit when he's getting into some of the uh, hauntings but after the witch trials Musum kind of went back to business as usual as much as business as usual is usual for a castle in those times right that was until the late 18th century when it experienced another period of quote unquote trouble now archbishop count hieronymus von colorado dissolved the Musum bailiwick in 1790 so that there was no funding from the church anymore and the castle began to fall into disrepair. So he dissolved something that um, the the castle was getting money from the church to keep up maintenance and and run it. And so then it didn't have the incoming money. And so it kind of started falling apart. Now, not too long after that, there were reports of deer and cattle being found dead on the grounds of the castle. So... The locals jumped to the conclusion, rightfully so or not, I don't know, but they jumped to the conclusion that there were werewolves at the castle. Yeah, why not? Sounds legit, right? Yeah. Might as well. (laughs) From our uh, werewolf episode, all it takes is a belt. All you need is a certain belt. belt. Put it on and hey, there's a werewolf. So at this point, the residents of Moosom Castle were rounded up and murdered for their nighttime adventures in werewolfing. <laughs> I came up with werewolfing myself. Adventures in werewolfing. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's uh, the, the title of my next screenplay, Adventures in Werewolfing. <laughs> now... After this, uh, the castle remained abandoned for several decades, and it wasn't until 1886 when Austrian explorer and patron of the arts Count Johann Nepomuk Wilczek bought the property and moved in. He then brought some of the life back to the castle. He began restoring it, and it still remains in his family today. But you just have to think, Matt. It... You said it right in the beginning when you said the history was crazy. What other place have we looked into that not only has been the site of so many wars and so many deaths of, you know, peasants and and poor people, but also witch trials, but also deaths of a lot of people due to werewolf hysteria. I don't think we've looked at any other place that has had this many different events of mass murder in the same place. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of the places we've talked about in the past will have one major event that took the lives of a large amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in uh, in in Musum's case, there there are three major events that caused a huge loss of life. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about, hey, you know, there were a few people that died here. Uh-uh. You know, there were hundreds of people that were were murdered here. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, just just the 100,000 that peasants that died in the peasant war, that's enough, you know, but all yeah, the people totally. that were executed for practicing witchcraft, then, then all the people that were just rounded up and executed for suspicion of being a werewolf? I mean, yeah. no, no evidence, no proof, no nothing. Eh, you're a werewolf. Yeah, the only evidence was that cattle were dying. Yeah, that's it. Cattle. That happens a lot. How about regular wolves? You yeah, know? No, no kidding. Just just plain wolves. Yeah. They, they do or, that same thing. Or just disease. Yeah. You know, there there are cattle farmers to this day that will have bad years and lose half a dozen 
uh, cows and steers in one year. And it's a major hit to to their farms and everything, but it happens. Now, granted, it, yeah. it could have been, uh, we could be talking, and this is just me hypothesizing, and there's no evidence of this at all, but maybe it was old school cattle mutilations. And we're yeah. now we're getting aliens that are doing something, and werewolves are taking the blame for it. What is this mess? <laughs> All right, Adam, I, I've, I've said this before. You know, one of the worst things uh, that that I have to do every day is ask Amanda, what are we having for dinner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I can't stand it. But one thing that I always know is that when the HelloFresh box comes, I know that we're going to have a great dinner and, and some quality family time no absolutely for those of you that don't know adam and i have talked about hello fresh before but if you don't know hello fresh is a meal delivery service where you get pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door you can skip the trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. That's right. And over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from farmers to ensure only the freshest produce and proteins are available right to your door. Ingredients will travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. So they're always fresh. Hello, fresh. Mm. Now, eating healthier has never been easier with their low-cal carb smart vegetarian and pescatarian options every week and no matter what you choose every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers so our listeners as graveyard tells listeners you can go to hellofresh.com graveyard 14 and use our code graveyard 14 that's g-r-a-v-e-y-a-r-d one four for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping right you can go to hellofresh.com slash graveyard 14 and use our promo code graveyard 14 that's g-r-a-v-e-y-a-r-d one four for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping and you can find out why hellofresh is america's number one meal kit So as Adam said, the uh, the Wilczek family still owns uh, the castle, and they have converted it into a museum. Um, it is still open today for tours. Um, it is a, a pretty cool place to visit, e- even without uh, any paranormal activity. But according to owner uh, Teresita Wilczek, there's plenty of paranormal activity and oh, she has sure. witnessed over the years and understand she started visiting the castle routinely with her father. Um, and, and, and as a child would even say, you know, there were places that I didn't, I didn't want to go into, you know, I, can I, just, imagine, I knew that there was something going on. Um, in, inside this castle and and now as an adult and the owner operator of the castle and museum she still has these experiences now we were talking about the the witch trials and everything so this relates directly to that uh teresita says that she tries to avoid an area that's known as the waiting room now, the waiting room in the castle is where suspected witches would be held just prior to being shoved into a hole in the floor where they would fall down into the judgment room. Now, I've watched several mm. videos. I've seen you know a lot of photographs. By my estimate, this... This hole 
it's it's got to be a 15 to 20 foot drop yeah onto a stone floor i mean they're not they're not pushing you off and you're landing in a big pile of hay <laughs> or pillows or something right i mean you're hitting the floor from that high just think about standing on a roof that's about 20 foot tall and jumping off mm-hmm that's controlled, and you're still going to hurt yourself. You're not going right. to come out of that unscathed. Yeah. And then just think about somebody shoving you off of this roof, you know, maybe head first, maybe sideways. You're going to break something. You're going to hurt. Yeah. And understand, in these trials, there weren't people that got acquitted. <laughs> no. I mean, you were you were guilty. Mm-hmm. And so, as Teresita describes it, you know, the, these people would would stand in this room and witness this and know they were about to die. Yep. And and that's going to leave an energy somewhere that that grief, panic, fear, knowing, you know, that you're you're this close to death and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And and the fall I can't even itself, imagine that. Like, I, know, I, I can't I know you're fathom. just standing there just waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it'd be it'd you know it'd be like you know lambs to the slaughter i mean you knew what was gonna happen yep and to watch these people be pushed into this hole in the floor and fall down below i mean i would imagine that the fall itself probably killed many of them oh yeah but it definitely injured um you know folks from from the fall you know they're they're laying there now now hurt and now they go what they fall into is called the judgment room you know where, you know they they were found guilty or not guilty. Well, that's not you know, a good name, right? They, I don't like the name of that. They uh, they were found guilty or or really guilty. Yeah, you right. Know, there was yeah. like I said, they they don't acquit anybody. You know, you're guilty, and then they drag you into the torture chamber. Um, you know, to meet your final fate. Sometimes that came quickly, but most often. You, they were tortured for extended periods of time, and a lot of times they would just confess to to stop the torture. Yeah, yeah just I to mean, get it I, over with. I'd rather be dead than have to have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then in the manner in which they were executed, you know, they were they were beheaded or hanged, um, as Adam mentioned earlier. Some of them were burned, or they were burned with hot irons um but you know they also had a method that was similar to being drawn and quartered where they would just attach your arms to one horse and your legs to another and pretty much just split you in half yeah um that's just that that's brutal which is awful because you don't die immediately no you know and we looked into old torture um things in a patreon i think and that was one of probably the worst that that we saw. So again, this all happened under the the govern of the archbishops. Mm-hmm. And Teresita says that the room of Tony was where the man behind all of this torture lived. Now there have been reports of seeing Tony's ghost sitting in the corner of this room. Now, the other the other rooms also have some activity. The hunting room uh, is, is another place that's pretty active. And, and Teresita said that on one occasion, she was with her father coming in to open the museum, and he noticed that the guns that hang on the wall were all turned upside down. Well, the room had been locked, and no one else could have been inside. That's now, weird. When going into these rooms, a lot of visitors will say that they feel a dark presence around them. Staff also has said that they feel this presence. Now, various voices have been recorded during EVP sessions in the castle, and some people have even felt someone breathing on them. And, oh, and wow. the, the breathing thing is very common. You see it in multiple investigations. You see it in uh, 
in descriptions of the castle. So that is probably one of the most common things that people experience when they visit the castle. Now, visitors have also claimed to have felt hands and an unseen presence near them when they enter the torture chamber. Um, yeah. that, this would be the place that I would think was really haunted because this oh, is yeah. where a lot of people eventually died. But staff and visitors report being touched, hearing banging sounds, hearing footsteps. The doors will open and close suddenly. And there is a strange uh, white mist that will appear um, just out of the blue. Just all of a sudden, there's a white mist in the room. It's been a while since we've heard about mist figures. I know. I know. Um, shadows are also reported to be seen moving about in the torture chamber. Now, one employee, uh, Gundy Planitzer, um, she, uh, she is, like I said, an employee of the Castle Now Museum. She reported that she was leading a tour in the torture chamber with a middle school, with a, with a school class. I don't know if it was a middle school class. Um, when she felt something touching her hair. Now, Gundy describes the feeling as human fingers running through her hair. This is also something that I found that happens very commonly. You know, female visitors will report that sensation of somebody running their fingers through your hair. And, you know, I, I don't have any hair, but I used to. <laughs> um, and I know that that's that's a sensation you can you can pick out. Specific, you know, very specific. Yeah, something brushes by you, you catch a breeze, you know, and it and it blows your hair in the back, and you're like, oh, what was that? You know. But the feeling of somebody's fingers combing through your hair, you you can detect that. So oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that people are saying. They're not saying something touched my hair, I felt my hair move. They're all saying I felt fingers running through my hair. So that's creepy. So you may want to get a haircut before you visit. Yeah, right. Wear a hat. <laughs> now, staff claims that you can still hear screams of the prisoners at night. And if you find yourself in one of the dungeons, you might hear someone whisper in your ear or even push you. Now, they say that you can feel the anger and pain of the people who suffered there. Um, I mean, you know, like. Like we said, these people were there and they were waiting to die. I mean, they mm -hmm. knew they weren't coming away from this. You know, no matter what they did, no matter what they said, this this was where they were going to meet their end. Yeah. Um, and and that's gonna that's gonna leave a mark. But it, you know, if you were totally in, innocent and you were accused of practicing witchcraft, which you knew you didn't, but you also knew that there was nothing you could do about it. I mean, that yep. would make you angry. Oh, yeah. It would make me angry. And so yep. the despair and the anger and the grief and the sadness, you know, it just it weighs on the atmosphere inside Moosom Castle. Now, I know we don't do this a lot. Sometimes we'll I'll mention some of these, but this one in particular was pretty interesting. So during an investigation by Ghost Hunters International, an apparition of a man sitting in the dining room was actually caught on film. Now That's you can crazy. go back and look at this and you can try to make the determination if you know, it, it's actually something. Um, but it was assumed to be the spirit of a caretaker named Anton. Now during this investigation, Joe and Ashley reported physical touching while in the torture chamber with Joe feeling pressure on his jacket and Ashley having the sensation of fingers moving up and down her legs. So they're getting that a little frisky weird. in the torture chamber. Right. Uh, you keep your hands off the lady investigators now. Now, some questionable EVPs were also recorded in the torture chamber. Now, I say questionable because you can obviously hear something. But it's really difficult to decipher what's being said 
without subtitles leading you to hear it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, understandably, we're talking about an audio recording that has been recorded onto video and then played on television. So there's always a chance that the subtleties are lost. Sure. Yeah. I I would assume that um, that's a, a big part of it is if you were to hear the original recording, you would probably catch more of what they're talking about. But like you said, it's been re-recorded and then compressed to go as, as the audio for a, a TV show. So it, it's going to. It, it's going to me- mellow it out some. I know just from doing uh, our audio, if I compress something too much, it gets muddled. Mm-hmm. And it'll go from this crisp, clear audio to, blah, 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 you know, yeah. sound like you got peanut butter in your mouth. So I, I can understand. Yeah. One thing I always, I always think is funny is we're in Austria. Okay. Why would I expect to hear EVPs in English? Yep. That's a good question. I mean, I honestly, I've thought that before too. Um, I've heard people try to explain it by, and I, I don't know how much I believe it, but they say that as a spirit, you have command of languages and can speak the language or speak something that the investigators, the people there will understand. But to me, if you're just a spirit of somebody that used to be alive, wouldn't you just keep, you keep a lot of your other same traits. Why would you not keep your native tongue? Right. Why? Yeah. I don't know why all of a sudden, you, you know, the, a spirit, a residual spirit of a dead human would all of a sudden be like, I can speak any language or I'm speaking in tongues. So I'm just saying it and whatever language you need to hear to understand, that's what you hear. I don't buy that. Um, Yeah. You know, I I don't know how you feel about this, Adam, but I always kind of feel like if, if you're recording EVPs and some people are catching them in one language and some people are catching them in another language, like if the same if, if an Austrian group went here and all their EVPs were in, you know, in German, then I would say that makes perfect sense. But if yeah. you told me that a, a, an Austrian investigator and an American investigator were in there and they caught the same EVP and one heard English and one heard German, I'd be like, I don't buy it. That, right. that to me, sounds like a demon. Yeah, it's a demon or or you're you're using some kind of your own bias mm-hmm. um, that there is something there, but you are using your own native language to interpret what's going on. And it may not be either. Uh, German or English. It it could have been something else, and, and you're just picking that up because yeah. that's what you're used to hearing. But if it is legitly, legitly, Legitim- uh, we're going with that. Legitimately. Legitimately. I'll go with legitly, though. That sounds <laughs> that sounds cool. Um, If it's legitimately something that is doing that, it is speaking... German to one group and English to another group. I agree with you that that is demonic or something yeah. otherworldly. It's not an, an, intel- res- an intelligent presence. Yes. It, yeah. It's not a residual spirit of right. a human. Right. And in all fairness, one of the one of the EVPs, uh, Teresita does say that it sounds like a, a, a string of German words. Um, so. You know, there you go. I mean, you, know, you just you don't hear them well enough. When you see the subtitles, you can kind of make them out. One is like, you know, it's like I, I am, I'm him or something along those lines. They they mm-hmm. weren't they weren't remarkable by any means, but they were captured. Um, but you know, everything everything paranormal seems to go along with the 
the torture and the death of the people that occurred during the witch trials. Um, although there's a lot of legends that say that werewolves still inhabit the area. Um, you know, when you start digging into this werewolf story, there's not much at all other than they, you know, there's usually a blurb that this happened. Um, because it, it, it is a part of the castle's history and it is interesting, um, that it occurred, but there's, there's no real personal experiences of, you know, eyewitnesses or strange creatures or anything. Mm -hmm. like that. Um, but it, it is, it, it is kind of, it is fascinating. I mean, you know, Adam and I kind of, kind of blew through it a little while ago saying, you know, Hey, regular wolves kill cattle too. And so does disease. And, um, you know, so it, it could be explained away by a lot of things, you know, that they, they wouldn't have been aware of, you know, especially some type of some type of cattle disease that, you know, wiped out half of your herd or, you know, took out, you know, two dozen sheep. You know, those people in the 1600s would not have been as acutely aware of a sick animal that was potentially spreading a disease to the rest right. of the animals. Um, and then just one day, you know, you find a bunch of them dead. Um, but you know, when you find them all, you know, mutilated, cut up, you know, looks like something has attacked them. You know, it, you're looking around and you're going, well, I don't, I don't see any wolves. Um, I'm sure they're there. Um, but you know your your thoughts kind of go crazy, and you don't have a good explanation. Werewolf seems to fit. You know the difference was is they decided, oh, okay, well, what about you over there? You know you look you look werewolfy. Yep, you got a belt. <laughs> like how how do you just accuse someone of being a werewolf? You know, yeah, right, right. If, unless they're like they're physically changing in front of you. You're just, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you look like a werewolf and, and so do you off yep, with you their got heads. Some, <laughs> you got some extra hair on your knuckles there. Um, so you, you look like a werewolf. Yeah. It's just, but, I mean, we really, say that, really but odd. there could also have been, there could have been werewolves there. If we believe that werewolves were True a thing. Enough, I mean, there, there are plenty of stories from this region, um, in werewolf lore. Right. Um, you know, it's it's very common. You know, this it could this have been area, something. Yeah, Austria, Germany, Poland. You know, all of those areas right there. There's there's a lot of werewolf legends. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it, it definitely, it, it definitely we, could have could have been something along those lines. We still um, have stories of dogmen. That's right. So could it have been something like that? Not a werewolf, but it could have been a dog man. Yeah. And that's what everybody was saying. Werewolf, because that's that's the nomenclature that they had. That's mm -hmm. what they knew. Yeah. And not understanding it well enough, they just started putting all these people to death. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, Jim's wearing a belt. He didn't have a belt <laughs> yesterday. That's his werewolf belt. Bob over here has some really hairy knuckles. I've always been suspicious of Bob's hairy knuckles. That's right. And that doesn't look humanly possible. <laughs> look how his arms hang. Yeah, look at that. They're longer than they should be. Yep. Those I are werewolf arms. I saw him peeing on a tree and he hiked his leg. He must be a See? werewolf. See, I told you. I told you. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you consider this bloody history... I, I would say that, sure, Moosom Castle is most likely haunted. If there's yep. going to be a place that's going to be haunted, this this is going to be it. And No joke. And, you know, it is it is open. Um, you, you can visit. They have tours. Um, so it, it's definitely a place. If, if you ever were traveling in Austria and looking to, to tour a castle or something along these lines, this is a good place to go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a very very welcoming environment to scare the living crap out of you, right? Um, but you know, like like we said, we we were surprised that uh, we hadn't come across Moosem Castle before. 
Um, but we glad we're glad we did. It's it's got a, such a unique unique story, um, and obviously some some uh, pretty active spirits there. Um, we just felt like we needed to talk about it. So, yep. I mean, I, I I I'd agree. You know, especially when you hear the owner uh, Teresita speak. Um, you know, she she's not she's not one of these folks where you know, you see them on TV and they're going, well, yeah, you know, I saw this or that and this happens and I go, I can't sleep in here at night and all this stuff. She's not that way. She just tells you, I don't like this room. And she even tells the, the GHI bunch, she's like, you can investigate anywhere in the castle. It's completely open to you. And they said, can we visit you know, the, the waiting room. And she's like, you can do whatever you want as long as I don't have to go. <laughs> right. I mean, she's yeah. there, um, right there with them and she doesn't want to go. Yeah. Um, you know, they're live there uh, long enough that she does. She knows where she's not going to go. Yeah. There was, uh, there, there was a video that I found where she is, uh, going through, uh, with a psychic and, you know, he's, he is describing the, the energies that he is picking up. And, and he, at one point he tells her, he's like, you know, there were a lot of guilty people that died here because it wasn't just witches. You know, they would, they would execute poachers and other yeah. criminals there. Um, you know, not only witches, the witches, uh, the witch trials were just the most famous thing. Um, but they executed plenty of other people just for routine crimes. And yeah, it and was he, the hub of executions. Yeah. He says, you know, there was a lot of guilty people that came and died in here. Um, yep. but he, he also said that he felt the presence of at least three evil men and one very evil woman. Um, and so I, I kind of take that to be, you know, at, at least you know, three of the archbishops that governed there, um, right. you know, that oversaw the execution, but a pretty interesting place, I would say. Yep. Interesting, crazy history. Yeah. Crazy history. Like I said, this is probably the, the um, most active in terms of history place that we've seen in the four years that we've been doing this, you know, it's just so much happened Mm -hmm. over the years and so many things that weren't just that you could say were of the time wars and conquering and stuff. It was, it, it was on the fringe of, you know, the, what could happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, the witch trials and stuff and werewolf hangings and all that. you That's not as much as we talk about it and other people may talk about it. That wasn't like an everyday occurrence for, you know, 500 to a thousand years. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't just something that there. That's why we know about the times that it did happen mm-hmm. because it, it was so wild yeah. that that we have those records. But yeah, I mean, it's. Like I said, I, I believe that something is happening here, whatever it may be. Um, but what it is, is be- because of the energy that was put into this place from so many years of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the part of the show where we ask, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. do, you, do you believe Moosom Castle is haunted? Um what do you think about the the crazy history and and would it lend itself to a place being haunted? Let us know. And one of the best places to do that is in our Facebook group. You can get on Facebook, search Graveyard Tales. You're going to find the show's main page. You're also going to find our group, um, which is a fantastic place. We have a lot of folks that are active in there every day. We the get a best lot of place on the internet. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of. Uh, Really great stories, personal experiences. We get a lot of dad jokes, um, and it's it's a safe place to come and share. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna poke at you, pick, make fun. 
uh, it's a safe place to share, you know, your thoughts and ideas and some of your experiences. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, just go and search Graveyard Tales. And while you're there, you can go and check out our website. It is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. Uh, you can listen to the show. And you can become a patron. And we uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, if you haven't um, if you haven't checked out our our Patreon uh, catalog, um, there's a lot of really neat stuff. It's different from the main show. Uh, we discuss a lot of uh, other other topics. Some a little fringy, some a little funny. Um, but they're they're different. They're casual. Like I said, they're a lot of fun. So if you haven't, go and check that out. Um, we always ask that you please go and rate and review us on iTunes. That is the easiest mm-hmm. way for us to come up the charts, which just, it makes it easier for folks to find us and, and brings more people into the graveyard. Right. Right. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.